to Galatians chapter 1. Uh, we've been studying in Galatians for the last few weeks. Uh, we're going to continue to do that for several more weeks. Uh, we've been reading about Apostle Paul and some things he's had to say to the churches in Galatia. Of course, we saw where those were some of the first churches that he helped to establish on his first missionary journey. Uh, several places in Galatia um, that, that we can read about in Scripture and some that he had visited later on his second and third uh, missionary journey. So he has a lot to do with these folks. He has a great love for them. And he has a great desire that they continue in their faith, continue to follow the gospel that he preached to them, right? To continue to, to stay in that. And he, he hear, he's heard something, obviously, about the Judaizing teachers stepping in after he left trying to teach the Christians there that they need to keep the law, that they need to be circumcised, and that's one of the first things he jumps on, right? He marvels that they're leaving that gospel that he taught them to go to some other gospel, some other perverted gospel, as we talked about last week, some of the other things that we read about, that we know about today, that get the gospel perverted, that get uh, sidetracked, that lead others astray from the true gospel. And in his writing to the churches in Galatia, Paul set out to prove one thing first. And let's just read that. Go to chapter 1, and let's just read what he says again in verse 1. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. He is explaining that he is an apostle not from anybody that appointed him to be one, not from the apostles that were in Jerusalem. He hadn't even seen them. He was appointed by the Lord. And then also verse 11, we're going to go over there and see, I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But it came through revelation of Jesus Christ. See, he's saying, I, didn't, I wasn't taught this gospel from other men. I got it straight through the Lord. He's making a point, right? He's trying to show those who are going to read this that he has a foundation that he has an authority that he has the word straight from the Lord not taught by other men not so that you can say well he was led astray by some other preaching no he got it straight from the Lord in doing so he's revealed remarkable facts about his conversion which not only substantiates his claims but it also provides evidence for our faith in Jesus Christ the Son of God we're going to talk a little bit about Paul's conversion here today and you may think, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, yeah, it's about Paul. We're going to talk a lot about Paul here. But when we read about Paul's conversion, it's going to help us to see he's telling the truth, right? It's going to help us to understand that gospel that he's preaching to the churches in Galatia is that same gospel that we need to heed today. It's that same truth that he preached that we need to know. Let's get right into it. Turn over to, uh, go back to verse 11 there, and let's just read through uh, verse 11, beginning of verse 11 through the rest of the chapter. He says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which is preached by me is according, not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace 
to reveal a son to me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write you indeed before God, I do not lie. Then afterward I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they were hearing only. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God in me. All right. Paul was formerly the Jew of Jews, exceeding his contemporaries, zealous for the work that he was doing. Turn over to the book of Acts. We're going to read about that a little bit. And you can keep a marker in Acts. We're going to be going back and forth to it a little bit to read what, some of this stuff so we can understand where Paul's coming from. Acts chapter 8 and beginning in verse 1. Acts chapter 8, 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death. He's talking about Stephen here. We just read about in the previous chapter about the martyrdom of Stephen. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Have you ever read that and just kind of read over it? Not really thought about it? He's dragging people out of their houses! Who does that? You think about maybe, you know, the fight in Iraq. You might have seen some scenes where people, you know, soldiers going house to house, dragging out terrorists or whatever. I mean, that was... Justified, I guess, if they're terrorists because they're trying to kill someone. These people are innocent. They're Christians, and he's doing the same thing. He was zealous for what he was doing. Chapter 9 there, verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or, men or women, he might bring them bound Jerusalem. He's going to the authorities and he's saying, give me papers. I'm going to go find some Christians and kill them. That's what he's doing. I'm trying to be a little loud here, a little, because I want you to understand where he was coming from. Turn over to chapter 26. We tend to read these things, we don't really think about it. Acts 26 and verse 9. Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things Contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Not only did they get put to death, he said, Good riddance. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. He didn't just do it in Jerusalem. He was out in the world, going around, finding Christians, trying to devour them like a lion, right? Kind of like Satan. 
kind of reminds me of that. Something he thought he needed to do. He was advancing in Jerusalem, in Judaism. Acts 22. Turn over there real quick. See what it says there. See what he says about that. Acts 22, verse 1. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. When they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our Father's law, and was zealous toward God as you all are today. I persecuted the way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness and all the council of the elders, from whom I also received letters to the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring in chains, even those who were, in, who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. He was brought up as a Pharisee, brought up in the strictness of the teaching. You might say the tradition, the law that he, he knew was, this is it. Anybody outside is wrong, and they need to be punished for it. Do we have things like that going on today? We fight wars over there in the Middle East because of that, right? Because there are some who think the same way. If you're not a certain religion, you need to die. You need to be punished for it, right? That's still going on. That's the kind of man he was. You might say he was a terrorist. We hear that a lot today, don't we? Terrorism in the news. Paul was a terrorist. You might say he was a Christian terrorist. Interesting, right? Don't really think about him like that, right? Turn over to Philippians chapter 3. Let's see what he said about being a Hebrew. <clears throat> it says, first one, chapter 3 of Philippians. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I am more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He's saying, I was the Jew of Jews. I was a Pharisee. The strictest sect, right? Was zealous. He was completely opposed to Jesus and those who followed him. I want you to see that because something happened. Something happened to Paul. And you know what? He completely changed. He went from being a terrorist to a preacher. A preacher who was in change. It's interesting how in that, those verses he says he had limited contact with the apostles. He did not see any of them for three years after his conversion. Then when he did, he only saw Peter and James and he was there for only about 15 days. He was unknown to the, by the face to the churches of Judea. But they'd heard about him, right? They knew who he was, they just didn't know his face. Turn over to Acts chapter 9. See what he said there. 
9, beginning in verse uh, 26. He says, And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Can you imagine why? And did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists. But they attempted to kill him. Wow. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. The terrorist who killed Christians is now being terrorized. What happened? <laughs> Something happened. It's amazing. Well... He goes on to tell his story, right? How he was on that road to Damascus, going to kill those of the way, take them and put them in prison. And the Lord appeared to him, right? And he was blinded by the light. And then he was told what he must do to be saved and how he was going to suffer for the cause. He saw the Lord. That's pretty much it. He saw the Lord. And it changed him completely. There were a few others that got changed completely, remember? Remember how the apostles were just disciples, and when Jesus was taken prisoner, they kind of scattered? Remember that? Well, they'd been with him for, what, three years? But it wasn't until they saw that resurrection after his death that he was alive, saw his ascension into heaven. They got changed. They weren't terrorists like Paul. They weren't zealous for the law. They were fishermen for the most part, tax collector. But they got changed. Paul does the same thing. Well, some might say, well, Paul, you know, he couldn't have changed like that. You don't just change like that overnight. And for most people, that's true, right? You got a guy or a girl that you're dating or, and there's a few things you don't like about him. And what, what, what do you hear sometimes? Well, when we get married, he'll change. Or I, I'll get her to change. I'll, I'll make her change. Yeah, that don't happen, does it? No. In fact, if you try to change them, what usually happens, they become emboldened, don't they? They say, you're not going to change me. Just saying. I, maybe it does happen sometimes. It didn't happen in my marriage, but, you know. Well, actually, I changed, but, you know. No, I'm just kidding. Not really. Jolene's probably chewing me out on the TV right now. But anyway. All right. Some might say, well, how did this happen? It couldn't have been because you just, you just changed from being persecutor of Jews to becoming a preacher. That can't happen. That's crazy stuff. Well, some even said maybe it was because he thought he might enrich himself, right? He thought he might become wealthy. Okay, let's turn over to 1 Corinthians. See what he said there. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 4. Beginning in verse 8. You're already full. You're already rich. You have resigned as, you reigned as kings without us, and indeed I could wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we've been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. 
to the present hour, we both hunger and thirst. And we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands. Being revived, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. If he's wanting to be wealthy, it doesn't sound like he's getting there very quickly, does it? What about he's wanting fame? Is Paul famous? Well, we know about him, right? There's a lot written about Paul. Paul wrote a lot of stuff. So you might say, yeah, he's famous. We all know who Paul is. Is that what he was looking for? Turn over to 2 Corinthians. Let's just see. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes, above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak, who is made to stumble, and I do not burn with indignation. Doesn't sound like somebody's famous to me. In today's world, people are famous. Do they suffer like that? No. They got everything they ever wanted and could dream about, right? Maybe it's because he wanted power. Well, he had power with the Jews, right? He could go to the high priest and request papers to go persecute Christians. That's a pretty powerful thing, right? Not everybody could do that. He had a reputation. He was zealous. He had passed his contemporaries. He had advanced to a high position among the Jews. I don't think it was power that he was after because if he had power, I would imagine he could have stopped some of the stuff he went through. Right? Well, some say maybe he was just had people who deceived him. Maybe he was tricked. Well, why would someone trick him? Why would his friends who wanted to persecute the Christians trick him? Make any sense? Why would, after being put into prison, some still want to deceive him and continue to tell him, well, you're, what you're doing is great. This is the truth. If they were just deceiving him. Why would they do that? Makes no sense. Even after the conversion, right? Many still feared him. I mean, can you imagine? This guy shows up and they say he's changed. And you know what he's been doing? I'd be afraid too, right? I'd be cautious. Be a little weary about whether he's genuine. He claimed to receive the gospel straight from Jesus, not man. He claimed to see Jesus raised from the dead. The empirical nature of this, the number of times he talks about this, how it happened, 
pretty much makes it impossible to say that he was ever deceived. It's not possible. He has too many witnesses to what he, what he was before, what he is now. And then some might say, well, he was just mad. He was just crazy. Turn back over there to Acts 26. Let's see something about that. Acts 26, verse 24. Now as, thus made his def- now, as th- now as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you're beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. Festus thought he was going crazy. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason for the king before whom I also speak freely, knows these things. For I'm convinced that none of these things escapes his attention, since this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. There were those who thought he was just gone crazy, just gone mad. I would imagine there might be some of you, maybe some of you who were converted by a fellow family member. I don't know that. Maybe you had a family member and you didn't believe and they became a Christian and you thought, well, they've gone crazy. They've gone mad, right? Silliness, right? Until maybe you saw them and saw how genuine they were, saw how their lives had changed, saw how something happened in their life that you might want to be a part of. Did you ever do that? There might be some here who did that. And that's one way to know, isn't it? When they saw Paul preaching the gospel, they realized he had truly changed. If he was persecuting Christians, what in the world is he doing up there talking about the Lord? That would make no sense, right? And any logical person could see that, right? Hmm. If he was mad, he he sure had a clear conscience regarding his persecuting the Christians. You would think... If he had been mad, he wouldn't be going around talking about what he did, right? Turn over to Acts 23. See what he said there. Acts 23, verse 1. Then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Everything that Paul has done, he did it because he thought it was the right thing to do. That includes before his conversion. He didn't do something because somebody else just told him to do it. He didn't do something not knowing for sure if I should be doing this. He believed it was the right thing to do. He had a clear conscience. So, he's killing Christians and I'm assuming he's sleeping pretty good at night right that's what he's saying so if he's mad why would he say something like that if I'm crazy if I'm just going wacko why would I say I've always had a good conscience and everything I've done makes no sense that is intense persecution of Christians would have given him such a guilt ridden conscience proves that this is not true. There's something he thought he should do. He did that out of ignorance for which he nor he received mercy. He saw Jesus also more than one time. Did you know that? Did you realize that? 
we read about, he, he accounts his conversion at least three times, right, in Acts. And we know about that time he saw Jesus, but he says he saw him on other occasions. Did you know that? Have you ever thought about that? Turn over to Acts chapter 18. Look at verse 9, he says, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by vision. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Turn over to chapter 22. Verse 17. Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem, was praying in the temple, that I was in a trance, and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you. When the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I was also standing by, consenting to his death, and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, Depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. Then over to chapter 23, verse 11, But the following night the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you also must also bear witness at Rome. There's another account in 2 Corinthians where he talks about him. He saw him on many occasions, in visions, in a trance, whatever. He saw the Lord, not just in Damascus. If all this is true, how could he have been deceived? If all this is true, how could he be mad? Why would he be seeking out power and things like that? It does not make sense. You can read his letters too, right? Do his letters sound like a madman? Do his letters sound like someone who doesn't know what they're speaking about? Does it sound like someone who never really truly saw Jesus Christ? No, of course not. The only explanation that explains his conversion is he saw Jesus. Why he was willing to forego wealth, fame, and power as a Jew it's why he was willing to be persecuted, beaten, shipwrecked for the Lord. Acts 26, 19, he says, I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. That vision that was given to him when he was blinded on the road to Damascus. <clears throat> Paul's remarkable conversion is explained by his own testimony that it was the resurrected Jesus who appeared to him. He wants the folks in Galatia to know that. Not once, but continuously through the rest of his life, he saw the Lord. And that serves, right, as one of the greatest evidences we could have to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here's a man who was so zealous for what he did that he just completely flipped. I mean, completely flipped. You don't see that normal. You don't see that normally, right? For the most part, people just don't completely change, especially overnight, as it appears Paul did, right? If that's not a great evidence for the truth of the gospel, what is? And that's what Paul's trying to get across to those in Galatia. He's afraid they're turning to this perverted gospel that they're hearing about having to keep the law he wants them to know that that law, the things of the law, were pointing to Jesus Christ. 
that freedom we have in Jesus Christ, that freedom from sin, freedom from temptation, freedom from living a life that's addicted to sin. And he's trying to prove to them that I know from where I come. And really, none of them probably ever experienced anything like he did, especially the turnaround there, right? No one was persecuting Christians probably like he was. No one had a complete change to the point of spending the rest of his life in service to Christ Jesus. Spending the rest of his life with that one sole purpose. One of the best ways to glorify God is to give heed to the words of Paul. And we have a lot of words of Paul, over half the New Testament, right? Is your life like that a little bit? Is your life so dedicated to the purpose of the gospel that nothing else really matters? Yeah, I don't mean you don't, you don't take care of your family and your, your loved ones and you don't have other things going on in your life. You have to work, you have to provide, you have to take care of people when they're sick especially. We have to take care of each other here. But can you really say that you're like Paul and that you have dedicated everything in your being to serve Christ? Yeah, you might not have been blinded on the road to Damascus. You might not have been beaten with 49 strikes, 50, uh, 50 minus, what is it, 50 strikes minus one with rods. No, of course you haven't. But could you say you would continue in the faith? that was happening to you could you say if you lost your house and all your belongings right now that you'd be continuing in the faith lost a job lost a loved one I mean people lose their faith because of things like that right the point I'm trying to make here is Paul is a wonderful example through his conversion through the complete turnaround that he had of the truth of the gospel. In our lives, I've said it many times lately, and really it's, it's the base of it, right? You, what happens in this life only matters if it's for the Lord, right? Everything else is just kind of extra, I guess. I want to say fodder. Not, fodder's not a good word for that. What really matters is what you do for the Lord, right? That's all that really matters. Greatest command is what? Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind, right? The second, the same as the first. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Upon these hang all the law and the prophets. What does that mean exactly? Paul's trying to get the point across to these folks that it's not about the law, which can't be kept by man. It's not about circumcision and the things that were required of the law. Yes, we know what sin is because of the law, but it's about living a life designed by God. He designed you, he created you, and he set a way for you to live. And he sent his son so we could see it in the flesh. 
the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. You could see the light in the dark world. That's what this is about. That's really what this is about. We can see Paul, we can see Christ, and we can see Christ in him and his great turnaround. He was just a man. Oh, he committed some great sins. But he was given mercy, and because of the grace that God afforded him, he was saved, and he became a zealous servant for the Lord. I know I'm preaching a little bit here, but I want you to understand why we would need to see that, right? Yeah, we have the Gospels. We need to see how the Lord lived, but we can see other men, too, that live like him and see Jesus in him. It's wonderful to have that. We don't think about that very often, do we? We don't think about what Paul actually went through, the other apostles, what they went through, right? Other disciples who lost their lives, like Stephen, because they had that great faith. So if nothing else you get out of this today, just know that there are others who've suffered, I'm sure suffered a lot more than you have. I don't mean to belittle anything you're going through or have gone through, but you got it pretty good. have to admit that kind of, don't you, compared to what they were going through. So I want you to understand that. Hopefully that will help you grow spiritually. Hopefully you can see in Paul what it truly means to be a Christian. All right. I'm kind of running out of early. I can't believe it. Usually I'm late. And, of course, if you haven't given your life over to the Lord, today is a perfect day to start. All right. Our time is almost up.